0: Let's get back to the action on the Keystone Kickoff Show. Brought to you by the Keystone Sports Network. Get the best Penn State sports news and analysis at keystonesportsnetwork.com or download the Keystone Sports app from your smartphone.
1: And welcome back to the Keystone Kickoff Show. It's quarter number three. I'm Jim Galante, along with Dustin Hawkinsmith, And we are talking about Penn State football in the 80s. Just a quick reminder, blue-white game is in a few weeks. And our buddies at gopsurv.com, they are open for the game. This is where you get to drive your car to Happy Valley, have an RV waiting for you for the whole weekend, free transport, to and from the game. It's a great time. For more info, give Mark a call at 800-519-8467. Dusty, when we left off, we were just headed to the national championship game at the end of the 82 season against Georgia. And guess what? Another star running back, Herschel Walker, is there waiting for Penn State.
0: Man, two two years in a row to, to play that caliber of player. Uh, what did Herschel Walker do in, the, in that Sugar Bowl? That That is a monumental challenge I mean you talk about um, one of the most physically gifted running backs in the history of college football that's a huge challenge for for that team
1: it it really was and this is where uh, Penn State Joe Paterno and if I'm allowed to say his name Jerry Sandusky had to get this defense ready and when they had those five or six weeks between the regular season and a bowl game, it seemed like they were always prepared and ready, and they kept going into these games against some superstar and are able to shut them down. The magic moment, though, in this game, Penn State took an early lead. Georgia came back, and folks, if you get a chance, go get the highlight. Greg Garrity makes this great catch um, going into the end zone, it was kind of the the touchdown that put things away for Penn State. That was the their last touchdown, and as a Penn State fan, it was such a moment of exultation that finally, after knocking on the door for so long, here it was finally a national championship. Dusty,
0: yeah, ex- exultation is a really good word for that. Um, to to have that have that guy. Um... You know, Greg Garrity, who most recently his son uh, was at Penn State, also by, went by the name of, of Greg Garrity. So that family connection was strong whenever he arrived here, for and for good reason. I mean, uh, been knocking on the door for a long time. You know, he had double-digit wins a whole bunch of times under Joe Paterno, had all these seasons where, you know, if, if – you. you you either did not get the opportunity, or um, you know, lost when the opportunity arose for all the pieces to come together, especially for you know a team that had lost previously in the in the year um, to to finish that off and to win um, that national title for Joe Paterno's first. Um, I would imagine it was it was, you know, a decade plus in the making and all the different frustrations and all the different thoughts and feelings like the deck was stacked against Penn State, um, that no matter what they did for a time there, it just felt like they were never going to get that opportunity to be recognized in this way. And then for for that to happen, I mean, huge, huge moment in the history of, of Penn State's program.
1: It It really was. And it's amazing with, you know, as. Important as getting that first national championship, you would think that would be the big one, you know, the one that's really in people's memories. But I believe if you talk to most Penn State fans, it's the 86 national championship. So I want to move forward a little bit uh, so that we have plenty of time to talk about that 86 game because it had so many ramifications to it. But that first one was always. You know, so important, that first one against Georgia and Herschel Walker. Fast forward now a couple years. It was that cycle again. Down years in 83 and 84 where they had four losses and five losses. 85, that was the precursor to the '86 national champion team. 85, they had an undefeated season. Actually were playing for another national championship. This one was against um Oklahoma and the Boz Brian Bosworth <laughs> and, and well things didn't go so well for them on that day and the interesting thing was Penn State's quarterback at the time was a guy by the name of John Schaefer he was the definitive game manager Dusty and they went back to like when he was in eighth grade or something and he had never lost the game in his career this loss against Oklahoma was the only loss he ever had. He ultimately finished his junior high, high school, college career with a record of 66 and one.
0: How about that? Um, it's like, uh, you know, Trace McSorley didn't have quite the same resume to, to look at a modern example of that. But um, to, to have one loss in, in your history is pretty extreme. How many seasons did Schaefer start? Was it two seasons as a starter at Penn State? I
1: think he got may have gotten a couple games in the '84 season also, but '85 and '86 obviously, you know, in um, because in '84 they finished just six and five, but I think he may have gotten a couple wins there. But it was also that example of the quarterback being part of this build up, just like Blackledge needed to build up to. 82. Schaefer needed the same thing, you know. He was the veteran quarterback, the senior. Uh, come 86, so they went through that 85 year undefeated. Going into the national championship game, they were actually ranked number one, and then and lost to Oklahoma pretty badly. So I, my understanding was that kind of stuck with that team, and you know they vowed to come back in the 86 season. And and they did. Um, Again, you know, there's a a lot of time I want to spend on the Fiesta Bowl that ended this season. But this was another undefeated year that included a win against number two Alabama. And I want to take this opportunity to interject with another personal anecdote for you, Dustin. They played Alabama October 25th. Do you know what other historic moment happened that day, October twenty fifth,
0: nineteen eighty six, in the sports world? Um, was uh, was there? Uh, it was a world. Was it a World Series moment? Was that the eighty six Mets? I'm, uh, I'm nodding my head
1: here, which is not to make for yeah, good yeah. radio. Yeah. But yeah, <laughs> yeah. I, I, my two favorite teams in the world are the Penn State Nittany Lions football team and the New York Mets baseball. I had in one day Penn State <laughs> routing Alabama and then the Bill Buckner Red Sox-Mets game six in the World Series. So that was a pretty good sports day for this sports fan, Dusty.
0: Oh man, that's, that had to go down as you want. We should do another show on, on the, the decades of Jim Galante's viewership of sports, because this would be, uh, there's, there's no coming back from this one. There, there, there's no, you know, there's no higher high than that one right there, unless that somehow was like a national championship and a world series on the same day, but that's a pretty unbelievable Saturday. It,
1: it really is, and off the air, I'll tell you the rest of the story because there was more to it, but again, this was a team, uh, you know, I'm looking at their schedule that season, Dustin, and the one thing you know that I do not see, I do not see an opposing team scoring more than
0: 20 points all year. Is that amazing? Uh, It it is amazing. And that was one of that was one of the notes that that I made too. they averaged um, 11.1 points per game uh, against them that season. Not one team got to 20, which is which is unbelievable. Um, and, And you mentioned number two, Alabama, the score that game was 23 to three. I mean, that was that was domination. Um, and, you know, that building around that that defense and, and the way that Penn State, you know, we talked about this theme before um, in the 60s and 70s with with Paterno and um, building these defenses with that mindset and having these unbelievable athletes make roaming and making plays in the, in the secondary, which that's a precursor to the Fiesta Bowl as well. Um, but, yeah, th- that, that defense was legit. And uh, to not give up 20 points in a year is is a pretty phenomenal statistic. It, it really is. And it tells you this was a team that was built around the
1: defense. You weren't going to see John Schaefer, you know, playing in the NFL. He was the definitive game manager. He was a winner. You weren't going to see him, though, like I said, as an NFL quarterback, and ultimately, they played in the Fiesta Bowl for the national championship against Vinnie Testaverde, who was the Heisman Trophy winner. Now, what's interesting, which I'm not sure many people remember, young folks, is back then, the bowl games, you had so many obligations. The Rose Bowl had the Big Ten, Pac-12. Southeast Conference went to the Sugar Bowl, the Big Eight at the time. They went to the Orange Bowl. But here you had the number one and two teams were both independents. They couldn't go to one of the big bowls. The Fiesta Bowl was not as big as it is today. They lobbied and worked really hard to get Miami to play Penn State there. And it wasn't easy to do. Miami, who just had a phenomenal year, I have their numbers somewhere where they outscored their opponents essentially by an average score of 38-12. to They were just a dominant team. They could have just selected to go to the Orange Bowl, won that game, and they would have been national champions, Dusty.
0: So the lobbying that took place was more so like Miami to try to get Miami to to set up this super game instead instead of instead of taking the easy path to the national title uh, to play this super game. Um, I suspect in this day and age, if the, if the same scenario unfolded, uh, the the t- whoever the team in question would definitely take the easiest road they could get to get there. Well, the, I
1: read a story that at one point the. The head executive director, or whatever, of the Fiesta Bowl, he actually started feeding rumors out to the media that Jimmy Johnson was afraid to play Penn State. Wow,
0: underhanded and dirty. Don't you love it? But you know, you know what? I mean that the the Jimmy that coach and that team and that program. Uh, I think I think the tactics were 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 right on where you gotta you gotta attack their pride a little bit because that was a very prideful and attitude heavy um, team so you you had to attack that in, in a public way and and try to leverage that and have people thinking about that. So Jimmy Johnson knew you know what people would think of him if if they decided not to play this game.
1: and I'm sure they were very confident that they would beat Penn State. On a neutral field and, and have no problem doing that. And, and I wish I would look it up. Uh, I should have. What the point spread was for the game. I am sure that Miami was a solid favorite. Um, but that's something I'll have to look up for another day, Dustin. But stick around, fourth quarter. We're going to talk about that Fiesta Bowl. Stay tuned. Attention, Penn State alumni. Trustees Ted Brown, Bill Oldsey, and Barbara Duran need your support. Your alumni trustees have fought to debunk the free report and to honor Joe and Sue Paterno. And they led the charge on an unprecedented tuition freeze, saving students and their families thousands. Independent leadership for a better Penn State. Vote to re-elect alumni trustees, Ted Brown, Bill Oldsey, and Barbara Duran. Voting begins Sunday, April 10th. Request your ballot at trustees.psu.edu. There's nothing better than following your favorite team on the road. Thanks to Collegiate Athletic Travel, you can get your chance this fall as the Nittany Lions fly south to face the Auburn Tigers. Take a non-stop charter flight from Harrisburg. Accommodation included. Not two hours away in at Atlanta, but at the team hotel. Transportation to and from the game is also included, as well as a tailgate party at the stadium. Go to athletictravel.com or call 800-788-4414 for all the information.